1: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. This is a mystery story. It's about a baffling plague. It's about people, young people, stricken out of the blue with a degenerative neurological sickness that's left them unable to walk, unable to read, unable to feed themselves, hallucinating. This is about a nightmare illness. It's a story that's been unfolding in New Brunswick. And despite what some researchers originally called a disease cluster, the Provincial Health Authority is now telling the public that, in fact, there is no disease, no single disease to blame at all. They're saying that all of these people are sick for different reasons. And that's left patients and their families feeling betrayed and abandoned. This is a story that we first brought you last January. And when we first ran this episode— There were some listeners who were upset, who accused us of spreading fear over unfounded suspicions. There is no mystery illness, they said, just a series of coincidences. Well, we took those listener concerns seriously. We went over what we had reported and we continued to follow new developments on this story. And today we are airing our episode again, purposefully. And we will have an update for you on this story in the fall. Wait for it. This episode is brought to you by Ruthie Cowper Zamozi, Brendan Sapora, Tom Ledgeley, Lisa Smith, Benjamin Palco, Kate Ness, Cynthia Toms, and Vicki.
1: Hi, I'm Vicky from Ottawa, Ontario. I'm a registered nurse, and I support Canada Land because it's one of the best research yet easy-to-understand podcasts out there. In my opinion, it's the only one that is consistently interesting and engaging. Keep up the great work, Canada Land.
0: For years, the mystery grew. In 2015, it was one patient experiencing odd, unexplained neurological symptoms. In 2019, 12 more people from Eastern New Brunswick started down the same path. It began to look like a trend might be emerging. The following year, 25 cases were added to the pile. Then in 2021, another 10 people presented with mysterious, progressing neurological symptoms.
2: minutes before and I could not figure out how to make the letter Q like it was like another language. So I tried my best and I did like a circle with just a line on the top, like it looked like an apple. So that was my red flag where I was like, okay, like this is not normal.
1: She couldn't talk, couldn't walk, couldn't eat. She passed away one day before Mother's Day.
3: I didn't realize I was losing the muscles, muscle atrophy. It got to the point that I wouldn't get on the scales and uh, it ended up I lost 42 pounds.
1: I feel like my memory is so bad,
0: I, I, I can have a conversation with someone and then forget it like five minutes later. I feel like I wake up every day and it's Monday. In March 2021, Radio Canada published the first news report documenting the cluster of patients with a mysterious neurological disease. The French news service had gotten a hold of a confidential internal memo sent to doctors in the province. The memo confirmed that a cluster of 42 people who all had presented with a degenerative neurological syndrome was being investigated and that the origin of the disease was unknown. The memo asked doctors to keep an eye out for patients with symptoms similar to Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease is fatal. One type of CJD is what occurs in humans when they consume beef from an animal with mad cow disease. And while the cases in the mystery cluster do have symptoms similar to CJD, none of the patients being investigated tested positive for that rare disease. They were also cleared of having any other known disease in the same class of diseases known as prion diseases. The idea was floated that a novel disease had been discovered in New Brunswick. This is what the province's chief medical officer, Jennifer Russell, had to say in March 2021.
3: So it most likely is a new disease. We we haven't seen this anywhere else, um, and so we're it is of unknown etiology. But the symptoms are very much like uh, CJD disease. So yeah,
0: all of this caught the attention of the Guardian's Canadian correspondent Leyland Checo, and he's been following the story ever since.
2: I've had the chance to speak with a number of people who have both been affected by the illness, and also who have family members that have been affected by the illness. And what's tricky about this is it seems like there's such a range of symptoms that really kind of make it difficult to understand how they all fit together sometimes. But it seems as though initially the onset is kind of a lack of sleep or insomnia.
0: Some of the patients have complained of rapid weight loss, unexplained pain, memory loss, muscle fatigue, difficulty balancing, brain fog, and hallucinations.
2: And then it rapidly progresses into kind of dementia or Alzheimer's-like symptoms, um, loss of cognitive skills, difficulty moving.
0: The patients range in age from 18 to 85, and they live, or have lived, across northeastern New Brunswick, along the Acadian Peninsula and in the Moncton region in the southeast. Gabrielle Cormier was just finishing high school when she first started seeing symptoms in 2019. Distinguishing letters from each other became difficult, and with that, reading became difficult. She had unexplained muscle pain. Initially, she took the symptoms in a stride, and she started her first year at university. She hoped one day to become a doctor. But as day-to-day life became more and more challenging, Gabrielle was referred to a neurologist in Moncton and was subjected to a wide range of tests. But no diagnosis was made. The only tests that came back with any helpful information at all were an EEG that showed diminished electrical activity in her brain and a brain scan that showed reduced cerebral blood flow. She became one of the growing number of people from New Brunswick afflicted by a syndrome of unknown origin. Initially, Gabrielle was vocal about her experience. This is from an interview that she gave at the time.
1: I can't read which is a shame because I love to read. I can't move, which is a shame because I was very
3: active before.
0: But whatever the disease is that plagues her, it moves fast. After just one semester, Gabrielle had to drop out of her university program as the symptoms worsened. Stacey Quigley-Cormier is Gabrielle's stepmother.
3: She just couldn't uh, keep up with, with her classes. Uh, she couldn't do the work. On one of her exams, she wrote, I'll see you next year, to her professor. And this is someone who has always had a dream of going into medicine. Uh, she was the salutatorian of her graduating class, loved sciences, is very much an, an intellectual
0: In the time since she left school, her physical and neurological symptoms have continued to worsen. She now relies entirely on a walker and a wheelchair to get around. And now her parents do the media interviews because their 20-year-old daughter is struggling with full-blown dementia.
3: At the time of her last testing, which would have been a few months ago, she was just bordering that moderate dementia. So for Gabrielle, what that looks like is if I say, hi, I I haven't seen you yet, she says, oh, I, I... I don't remember uh, if she has a conversation with someone. She's not sure really what she said all the time, mind you. Very much like other um, people living with symptoms of dementia, she can share stories about other situations. She can talk in length about when she was figure skating and um, different fun things that she used to do. Uh, but you know, we've taken over helping her make sure that she gets her medication. Making sure that we're the ones doing the interviews now because it's hard for her to uh, remember the timeline, or it takes a lot of work to keep track of conversations. Uh, it physically hurts her to have uh, conversations sometimes. And if we're giving her information, um, you know, we have to just make sure that we're not giving her too much at one time. Um, for example, with meals, if we say, I'm going to go make supper. Would you like spaghetti or a hamburger? Then that might be too much information. And so let's say it's supper time. Would you like spaghetti? So we just try to keep it really simple.
0: Gabrielle's friends set up a GoFundMe page to help her family pay for the mounting expenses associated with her care. Things like retrofitting their home for her new accessibility needs, but also for travel because Gabrielle will be seeing more specialists in Toronto next month. But her family is also prioritizing experiences for Gabrielle that she might not be able to appreciate for much longer.
3: We just said, okay, what do you want to do with your time? And uh, let's see what we can accomplish. And so, you know, some of these things that she wants to do, COVID makes it challenging. She wants to go see a Broadway play. She wants to go to Disney. Uh, she wants to see Green Day in concert. That's probably her number one because Green Day is her most favorite band ever. So hey, Green Day, if you're listening, but no. Um, so it's, it's, uh, that's, that's right up top there. But um, she wants to do things like get a tattoo and dye her hair.
0: In an interview on the CBC's Fifth Estate that aired in November, Gabrielle talked about the weight of this disease, that the mystery might be what draws people in but it isn't the whole story.
1: Hey, it's Gabrielle. I feel like in the media, it never portrays how shitty this is. I don't feel like no one really understands.
2: When people talk about how this illness has affected them and their families, there's confusion and fear because there's all this unknown of kind of what could be causing it. And there's also frustration because it's been more than a year since the province first learned of these cases and there's still very little that we know and and there's so few answers that a lot of these people and their families have to work with.
0: with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca/canadaland to claim this offer. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. We hear a lot about the opioid crisis, we talk a lot about the mental health crisis. These are serious problems. These problems affect us all. They've affected my life and my community. They're not intractable problems. I don't know what's going to solve them on a policy level, but day-to-day helping people, that's what CAMH does. They do it on the ground when people need help, and they do it through research. The team at CAMH gave our team a tour of their facilities, and we were really just blown away by the incredible, heroic work that they're doing every day. They treat everyone with dignity, and their research is seeking and finding real solutions for everyone around the world. Help Change Mental Health Care Care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at CAMH.ca Canadaland to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. In March 2021, the public became aware of this problem. Originally, the cluster was reported to consist of 42 people. The public tally rose to 48 shortly thereafter. And of those 48, 46 of them were referred to and diagnosed by Moncton neurologist Dr. Alie Marrero. As news of the cluster emerged, Marrero spoke to the media about the widespread effort that he was helping to assemble to investigate this mysterious illness.
3: We are testing the environmental sources uh, related to these populations and each one of the patients, their past history, travel history, professional history, exposures water sources, food sources, etc. So, it is a large investigation that would require a lot of effort, but we're collectively doing that with the help of Public Health Ottawa
0: and New Brunswick and many expert teams. Marrero went on to say that while the genesis of this disease was still unknown, he believed it was acquired from exposure to something in the environment, either food, water, or toxins. And that kicked off rampant speculation.
2: There are a vast array of of theories that range from chronic wasting disease, making the leap from deer to humans, to kind of mercury poisoning.
0: Dr. Neil Cashman is a neurologist at the University of British Columbia with a special expertise in prion diseases like CJD. He originally acted as an advisor on the investigation. And from the very beginning, he said there was no evidence of a disease from the prion category in the autopsies that had been conducted on the handful of patients who had died. Something else was happening to these people. Cashman suggested in March, 2021, in an interview with the CBC, that an amino acid, an environmental toxin called BMAA, that's linked to blue-green algae, might be a possible cause. While he admitted that it was speculation, he referenced scientific journal articles that showed this toxic amino acid has a tendency to build up in fish and shellfish, like lobster and crab. And blue-green algae has been a known scourge to the Atlantic provinces for years, signaled by periodic beach closures all across the region throughout the summer. This quickly became the leading off-book theory for what was happening to these people. But all theories were off-book because government officials remained tight-lipped about whatever they were investigating as possible sources of the disease.
2: This amino acid has actually been shown to produce different results in different people. And so the scientists kind of pointed back to the research that was done in Guam in the 60s and found that Kind of in a very similar sense, you can have multiple people produce different pathologies from the same contamination source. And so that's why BMAA has kind of been the leading culprit for what could be happening.
0: You can have multiple people produce different pathologies from the same contamination source. So what does he mean by that? It means that BMAA from algae or another contaminant might be to blame without creating a new disease. One toxin could be triggering a number of known diseases that look different from one patient to the next. Last June, New Brunswick's public health officials were saying the same thing, that the search was still on for whatever that source might be. But they also made a point of saying that their search had not narrowed down to any particular area of concern, such as seafood. This is what Health Minister Dorothy Shepard said at the time.
1: You know, that we can't have a narrow focus here. We must examine any and all possibilities, and as those possibilities evolve, you know, we'll certainly share them with you. But the fact is, is that the reason that we are going to such lengths is that we need to allow the science to do their investigation and their work, and by um, focusing on any one element could just take us in the wrong direction.
0: Of the 48 publicly identified cases associated with this investigation, nine of the people have died. After their deaths, the federal public health agency sent eight of those people for autopsies that were conducted by a neuropathologist working at the University of Ottawa, Gerard Jansen. The investigation took a hard right turn when he publicly released pieces of his findings. Jansen dismissed all eight cases, saying that they were misdiagnosed. This is what he told CTV's W5.
2: Five have what we call a dementia. Then we have a patient who has a brain tumour. We have a patient who has vascular dementia. And then there is a patient who has a, a different disease in the sense that there is, are no pathological abnormalities to that disease.
0: Janssen single-handedly called into question whether or not this cluster of cases was, in fact, a cluster of anything mysterious at all. Now, that was in direct contradiction to any opinions that had been publicly expressed by researchers up to that point. His public statements to that effect took the federal government completely off guard, and the Federal Health Agency pushed back with a terse response, suggesting that there would be corrective action, some sort of remedy against Janssen's behavior. Janssen wouldn't speak with us, but he stands by his work, and he heaped praise upon the province, not the federal government. He says it's the province has been acting responsibly. He also said that on seven occasions in the last year, he has received threats relating to his medical opinion on this issue. The federal health authorities weren't the only ones to be surprised by the release of information. No one had shared the findings with the original diagnosing physician, Dr. Alia Marrero, either. However, by October, when the autopsy information was released, the landscape had changed entirely. For one, Dr. Marrero was no longer leading the work on this investigation. He had been sidelined by provincial health authorities with no public explanation. Dr. Marrero did not respond to Canada Land's request for an interview. Also, by that time, the province had shifted their messaging. Health officials began using Janssen's autopsy findings to call into question whether these 48 people really had some new, unknown disease. And then they released a report that brought together the results of phone surveys conducted with dozens of the patients. These interviews were meant to show which risk factors people might have in common if, for example, they all ate the same food or worked in similar industries. But the province concluded that all of the leading theories about the potential cause of this mystery disease were wrong. This is provincial medical officer Arafur Rahman.
3: We have concluded there is an overarching theme to these findings, which is if a particular food exposure such as lobster or blueberries or venison was to blame, there would have been people with similar symptoms in other parts of the province or in the neighboring provinces or in Maine where all these foods are common. This hasn't happened. And based on the findings of this report, there are no specific behaviors, foods, or environmental exposures that can be identified as risk factors with regards to the potential syndrome of unknown cause.
2: So the province in recent months has really been walking back the possibility that this is an actual cluster of neurological illnesses.
0: Some patients and their families... And other people from New Brunswick who are paying attention to this, some people think that the province might be engaged in a cover-up, protecting some local industry or another, perhaps the seafood industry, from being implicated as the cause of this illness. What the October report shows is that the government ruled out any food source as a cause for the disease— despite 31 of the 34 patients answering yes, they had eaten fresh or frozen lobster before the onset of symptoms. No environmental testing has been conducted to date, and there's no reason to believe that any testing is planned.
2: I've spoken with scientists and medical professionals at both the federal and the provincial level who are concerned that the province appears to be kind of shifting away from investigating potential cases and increasingly taking the opinion that it kind of, there is no, there, there is no cluster.
0: As the province seems to be moving away from the idea of any thorough research ever being conducted into this problem, it appears they're setting up the original diagnosing physician, Dr. Marrero, to take the reputational hit in public. It's a chain of events that has meant the provincial government has largely lost the trust of patients living with this disease and their families. Stacy says it's hard to separate the political questions from her stepdaughter's condition and care.
3: Dr. Marrero has really been phenomenal, and he has been so kind to Gabrielle. He has, you know, done his best to... To find out what's going on and we have all of the confidence in him and the reason why we're seeking support outside the province is really because we can't wait any longer with the province taking over the investigation and then you know we're asking for information and um, we really don't feel like uh, we're getting any information and when we do it's it's from the media
0: Last October, it added insult to injury when Stacey read in the Walrus magazine the revelation that while the province was talking a big game of assembling all the resources they could from across the country to mount an investigation into this illness, well, behind closed doors, they chose to disband the national working group of scientists who were each pitching in their expertise. Going forward, research was brought entirely in-house by the New Brunswick government. Now, this is a province that has a wait list of more than 40,000 people who are waiting to simply get a family physician in the middle of a pandemic that is straining every province's healthcare system. Despite all of that, the province said thanks, but no thanks to national experts who wanted to pitch in and help. This month, Leyland Checo gave this story new urgency when he reported for The Guardian that a source within the New Brunswick Health Authority, Vitalite Health Network, had disclosed new information indicating the number of cases being investigated has ballooned far beyond what the province was reporting. According to the source, it was no longer 48 people dealing with a mystery illness. It was three times that.
2: And this person had pretty serious concerns that the, the scope of the problem and the people being affected by this problem is worse than the province is letting the public know. They're a the opinion that there could be as many as 150 cases of people suffering from this illness. And I think what really prompted this person to come forward to me was the age of the people being affected. The CBC has reported that 20% of the known 48 cases are people under the age of 40, which in and of itself is a pretty startling statistic given that we don't really see swift neurological decline happen among younger people. And our source within Vitalité, who's familiar with the cases, suggests that that number of young people is growing. And so I think this person had concerns that more needs to be done to address what is happening to young people. Because we're more than a couple years really into this. And we still have so few answers about what could be the cause and, and really how many people are being affected.
0: The source talked about what a few of the new cases looked like. And they certainly don't paint a picture of normalcy.
2: In one case, you have a man who's developing symptoms of dementia. His wife, who is working as his caregiver, she suddenly begins losing sleep and experiencing muscle-wasting, dementia, hallucinations, and now her condition appears to be worse than her husband's. In another instance, we have a woman who's in her 30s who became nonverbal and and was forced to feed with a tube and, and drooling excessively. But her caregiver, who is a nursing student in her 20s, also recently started showing symptoms of kind of what is best described as as neurological decline. And so I think for us to hear that there was instances of what what kind of experts would suggest might be shared environmental exposure to something, I think really kind of blew open the doors and provided a, a much more troubling look at kind of what could be happening in New Brunswick. How
0: could two separate caregivers, both looking after two different people who are each suffering from this mystery illness, how could they both suddenly contract similar symptoms unless some environmental factor or another is the cause? Canadaland tried to confirm the information Leyland received from their source with officials in New Brunswick, but our requests sent to their media contact were ignored. The official case count on the provincial website remains 48. We tried to find some other way of substantiating that source's claim, that the number of cases has tripled. And we did find some indication that the provincial government is underreporting how big a problem this is. This gets a little complicated, but stay with me. So there were those original 48 cases that the province has confirmed, right? Now, all of those cases were reported to the federal government because the feds monitor neurological illnesses when the symptoms are similar to Creutzfeldt-Jakob disease. That's one of the ways that our federal government monitors for mad cow disease in Canada. So we asked the federal public health agency for the total of that number. How many cases with symptoms similar to CJD had been reported in the last three years from New Brunswick? They did not say 48. The number they gave was 71. Since last October, there's been little news from the provincial government on this file the health authority has been conducting a clinical survey of patients where each cluster patient will be seen by six neurologists. The results of that survey are expected to be released this month. But given how the province left things in the fall, there is a mounting fear that the province is just going to dismiss the whole idea that there is a medical mystery to begin with.
2: So I think we're at this point right now where everyone is both waiting for the report, but also I think both sides are fairly... Uh, confident of what that report is going to say. And I think it's, it's going to cause a lot of f- frustration nonetheless.
0: Now, once again, New Brunswick's Minister of Health, Dorothy Shepard, has refuted the notion that the report's findings are a foregone conclusion. And on multiple occasions, she has defended the province's actions on this file.
1: These cases are having the benefit of having six neurologists review these cases, along with their whole caseload as well, that they have been juggling, and we're dealing through a pandemic. So I don't know that this could have moved any faster. And so I think that all of the steps that have been taken have been methodical and well thought out by Public Health and the Oversight Committee with the help of Dr. Banville and Dr. Breen, and I don't believe it could work any faster than it has. And even a referral to a neurologist in the province can sometimes take up to six months. And so if we look from July until January, I believe we've, um, we'll be completing that oversight in very good time.
0: Time is something that the patients and their family members find themselves running short of. Steve Ellis's dad has been suffering from neurological decline for years as this mystery disease has been investigated. Steve wonders how much longer his dad will be around. I don't know what's next for him. Um, he's, uh, you know, recent brain scans has confirmed that his condition is deteriorating. Um, there's new areas of his brain that are now affected. Um, We're just trying our best to treat the symptoms. Gabrielle Cormier, now 20, is ticking things off of her to-do list and getting ready to travel to Toronto next month. But her stepmother says they are not expecting much from the government's forthcoming report. Families have very consistently asked for an environmental study to be conducted. But so far, that ask has fallen on deaf ears.
3: We anticipate that the government is going to come out and and say that the panel has determined that everyone that's been investigated has a a known cause or um, they might not feel like it's something new. Now if, if that does end up happening then the thing is is that the question of why still remains because a 20 year old does not typically get symptoms of dementia. There's an ethical obligation here when you have scientists and medical professionals and now the whistleblower, um, thank you to whoever that is and I hope more people come forward because we need you. They're raising questions and saying that you know, there's something wrong going on here, there's something causing this and um, they suspect that it's environmental also. But regardless of what they say, it's not typical. The presentation is not typical. Why is this happening? Um, And we may not find out the why exactly right now, but we'd like for the government to have enough respect and consideration for the residents of their province to look into it.
0: Hey, that's your Canada Land. You can email me at jesse at canadaland.com. I read what you send. Hey, if you're following the story of what's happening at CTV News with the ousting of Lisa LaFlamme, we've been leading that coverage, and you can check out our latest on our website, canadaland.com. We're on Twitter at Canada Land. This episode was produced with help from Jonathan Goldsby and Cassidy Villabrun Barakis. Tristan Capicione is our audio editor and technical producer. Our senior producer is Sarah Larniuk. Kieran Oudshorn is our managing editor. I'm your host, Jesse Brown. Our theme music is by so-called Syndication. That's handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. Thank you for supporting Canada Land.